Well, good morning, friends. I'm excited to start a brand new series. I'm not sure how long it will last, um, but uh, I think it will take us a while. We're going to be doing a series um, uh, in the uh, what's called the Apostles' Creed, and this is podcast number 412 for Monday, November 8th. I pray you're well. I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy 2.15. You're going to need notebooks and pen. Um, I'm excited about this series. We're going to be doing this series from two books, not just the Bible, but um, and don't get worried about that because what the Apostles' Creed is, is uh, putting on paper what the early church believed, all backed by Scripture. So we'll be going through scripture, but if you want to purchase some books, some of you are in my Bible studies or you already have them, uh, the book is called The Apostles' Creed, The Apostles' Creed, C-R-E-E-D, by R. Albert Moeller Jr., and then another book we'll be using is The Apostles' Creed by Alistair McGrath. I'll have those listed um, on the site as well, but I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 2.15. And let's read this verse, and this will be our memory verse. And I hope the memory verses are working out for you. I I thoroughly enjoy memorizing the scripture, although at my age it isn't as easy as it used to be. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, do not, or excuse me, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, and that's in the ESV. So we need to do our best Paul says, to present ourselves to God, workmen who don't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly handling the word of truth. Um, A creed, write this down, a creed is a statement of belief, a commitment to one's beliefs and values. It is not enough when someone asks you a question to say, um, let me ask my pastor, although that is a good, that's a good way to start. But we need to plant the word of God deep within our lives so that we're ready, the Bible says in Peter, to give an answer to every man of the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and with fear. We don't study to become arrogant or just to become knowledgeable. We study so that we can give an answer to people of the reason of the hope we have. And that's what um, we're studying here today in the Apostles' Creed. As we look into uh, studying this, we need to understand that a creed, as I said, is a statement of belief. It's what we base our lives on. It's not enough to say, well, I base my life on Scripture. And somebody says, well, what Scripture? Or what does the Scripture mean? Or how can you defend the Scripture? The Bible is 2,000 years old, and you can tell them, wait, wait, wait. Age isn't the the main stipulation for trusting the Bible, right? Someone say, well, it's 2,000 years old. I can't trust it. Wait. It was all incredibly written down, recorded for us within such a short period of time between the events happening and into the the time that they were written down. That's the key date. So within a generation, within a Jesus coming, being born, teaching, um, 
giving his life and being raised from the dead. Books were being written by the eyewitnesses within 30 years. 30 years. Now that may sound like a lot, but let me give you an example of some other literature. Alexander the Great, who no one, no one that I know of believes didn't exist, but the first biographies, the first things written, history about him, the books that were written weren't written for 400 years until after his death. 400 years. Those are the two main um, pieces of history uh, written down about his, his life. But no one questions them. But we question the Bible, and yet the Bible was written um, between, uh, started to be written within 30 years of Jesus' death. And some, some say the book of Mark may be written within 20 years. And so it's not that it's a 2,000-year-old Bible. It's how long was it between the uh, writing down of the things that the eyewitnesses saw and began uh, to write about? Now, remember, many of the first uh, Christians uh, were uneducated men. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Uh, Peter and John are standing before the Sanhedrin after the miracle in Acts chapter 3, where they're on their way to the temple, and uh, they see a beggar who's crippled. And Peter says, look at us, and expecting to receive something, the scripture said they looked at him, and he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee, in the name of Christ Jesus, rise and be healed. And he did. And you would think that everyone would be excited about that, but the Sanhedrin was not at all amused. So he goes before the council, and after they listen to uh, Peter and John talk about it, verse 13 of Acts chapter 4 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astounded and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, and when they, the last part of that, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus was not a compliment. They recognized that although they had had Jesus killed, that his work was still going on and they weren't happy about it. But they perceived them to be common men and they perceived them to be uneducated, meaning that they weren't trained by rabbis. But also, if you study anything about Galilee or the Galileans, they were thought to be at that time to be very crude, meaning they were they were very uh, fundamental in their ability to speak and in their intelligence. Remember, this society was a very oral society, and many of them couldn't read or write. Many of them were uneducated. They weren't trained in the, in the best schools. They started to work early. Their use of grammar wasn't good. Their dialect was different. You'll remember when Peter was, was standing at the fire, and the, the slave girl said, surely you're one of them, you're... Uh, your, basically, your speech gives you away. They sounded, he sounded like a Galilean. And Jesus chose those men to serve him. In Acts chapter 1, it says uh, that Jesus, when he was ascending, I, I believe it's verse 11, the angels came down and said, you men of Galilee. See, this was not, Jesus chose 
to come uh, into a society that was not the ritzy, not the rich, not the well-educated. He came to common men. Remember, the angels first talked about the, the, the arrival of Christ to a group of shepherds on a hillside. They were uneducated, but they didn't stay that way. And that's the point, I guess, of the creeds. It became necessary to write down what Jesus taught. So they took the, the Bible, remember when, when the creed was written, the first creed, uh, of Apostles Creed came out, it was about 150 AD. The Bible, um, letters were there, but they hadn't been put together in a biblical format, the New Testament. So the canon of scripture wasn't complete. So they felt it necessary, the early church fathers, who were disciples of disciples of the disciples, okay? So they were really close to the firsthand witnesses. They began to realize that they needed to write things down. They needed to put it in to, um, into words because the New Testament church realized that they had two things they needed to do. They needed to, they needed to preach the gospel they needed to stand for truth, and they needed to um, to get rid of error. And so they needed to be able to confront error, and to confront error, you have to have truth. Moeller says this, and I love this. He says, all Christians believe more than is contained in the Apostles' Creed, but none can believe less. Now, the Apostles' Creed title can be a little deceiving because it, 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 would, it would appear that it, it was written by the Apostles, but the Creed was not. The, the creed was written by the early church fathers who were trained by the disciples of the disciples. So you're looking at generations here, but all again within a hundred years and many within 50 years of the death of Jesus Christ. Ancient Christians honored this creed. Martyrs recited this creed, some of them as they were being put to death in the most horrible and gruesome ways. The Protestant reformers, the Reformation period, continued to use the Apostles' Creed in worship and the teaching of believers. In fact, in many churches, early churches, you would recite the creed as proof, individually, uh, parts of the creed, as proof before you could be baptized that you were a believer. So this is essential stuff. And can I tell you that I've been a Christian for years and a pastor for years, and I've never done a study in the Apostles' Creed, never taught on it. And so you're kind of my guinea pigs. <laughs> I'm teaching a Bible study class here on Tuesday nights at my house, and we're getting started in this, but I, I just felt like teaching that I wanted to also teach you. So creed means I believe. And so what do we believe? And we'll get into that as we go. The first creed appears to be Jesus is Lord. So the first creed of the church appeared to be Jesus is Lord, because they needed to establish who he was. He was not just a prophet. He was not a good man. He is Lord, meaning he is God. And that was used over 700 times in the New Testament. Over 700 times in the New Testament. What did Jesus command his disciples to do um, with what he taught them? Look at Matthew chapter 28. Most of you know this as the Great Commission. So in Matthew 28, uh, verses 19 and 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, not just Jews, but of all na nations, 
baptizing them, look at the Trinity here, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we see the Trinity taught here. Teaching them what? To observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus says, I'm about to leave you, but here's what I'm going to leave you with. I want you to go and to into all nations, and I want you to make disciples, not just followers. Followers... Um, make a commitment to Jesus Christ, and then sometimes they quit. There were two callings of Christ, really. There was the calling to come and see and to have a relationship with him. And there's the the calling to abide in him. We know from John 15, and you should read that this week. It's a great portion of scripture about abiding in the vine, being a branch that's connected and bringing forth fruit. And how do we do that? We do that by teaching the Great Commission, and what's the Great Commission? It's, it's to teach everything that Jesus taught. It's not just to have people memorize these two verses, but we need to teach them what Jesus taught. And that is what the Apostles' Creed is about. It's about laying down a format for what the New Testament church believed. You don't have to turn there, but in Jude, verse 3, it says, The faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints, meaning what was delivered initially could should continue. So what do we teach? We teach what the early church taught. From its earliest beginnings of the church, the church faced the dual challenge of affirming the truth and confronting error. And how do you do that? Well, they decided to finally that they have to put it down on paper. And so they put the creed down on paper. As we get ready here um, in our introduction to kind of kind of bring this first message to a close, let me read this to you. And I would challenge you to go online, look up the Apostles' Creed, and look for the Apostles' Creed circa 150 AD. 150 AD. So let me read this to you. Says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, excuse me, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead, the alive and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, not the Roman Catholic Church. That is definitely part of it, but it's the overall church of Jesus Christ. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. This is what we'll be studying over the next few weeks. So if you can, um, I went to ChristianBooks.com and the Apostles' Creed by R. Albert Moeller Jr. I got for five bucks plus um, some shipping. And and while you're there, you can pick up a copy of what's called Alistair McGrath's book. It's a, it's a pamphlet from Life Guide Studies called the Apostles' Creed. But you can get them both. Uh, from the same site, I go to christianbooks.com. So I pray that you're going to be with me through this study. It's going to take us a while. I want to take my time. I want to not rush this because I think it's incredibly important. So let me pray for us in closing. 
in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you till we talk again.